Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, before we get stuck into the episode today, I just wanted to say thank you for listening and for being such a big part of this community. At this time of the year, we often reflect on the year that's just been, and it's really rewarding and exciting to look back and to see how much this community has grown the little things that people have adapted into their own lives and the changes that they've made is just, it's just really beautiful to see. I'm very grateful for the kind words I often receive and the inspiring people that I've met along this little journey. This will be the final episode for 2016 as I'm going to take a couple of weeks off while we celebrate Christmas with our family and then Inga, Andy and I are hitting the road again, Um, but this time it is only a short trip. We're driving up the East Coast to spend a week with some dear friends on the Gold Coast, which we're really looking forward to. Uh, The Live Immediately podcast will be back in 2017 though with a new episode on your player around about January 10. As this is the year, this time of year where we start to wind down a little bit, I do hope that you find some downtime and some fun moments to spend with your family and friends and, and your loved ones. Now, the episode today is about anxiety because it really seems to be an issue that keeps surfacing through a lot of the conversations I have with people, this heaviness that some people are living with, but often that moment when they are diagnosed with anxiety or they start to take action to fix it or manage it is a real pivotal moment in their life. My guest today is Kylie Alloy. And she is one of those people. Her journey of learning how to manage her anxiety led her to a place where she now lives by following her values and understanding what's important to her and living life that she wants to live and not one that she is expected to live. In this episode, Kylie talks openly about understanding that anxiety is part of her personality, calling off her wedding four weeks out and the freeing feeling it created for her, being in tune with her values, along with some tips on how people can discover their own values. I really appreciate how honest Kylie is during our conversation on a topic that isn't always the easiest to talk about. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a super fun new year. And I also hope you enjoy my conversation with Kylie Aloy. Hi, Kylie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Mike? I'm very well indeed. And whereabouts in this wonderful world do I find you today? I am in Melbourne, my hometown. Ah, oh, beautiful. South of the borders, we call it up here in New South Wales. And we were kind of chatting um, a little bit offline and I'm saying like I'm sitting here in a, in a blue bond singlet because I'm, I'm sweating my butt off. It's nearly 30 degrees and it's 7.30 at night. But you were just telling me that it was... Nearly, what, 35 degrees in Melbourne yesterday and it's now 10 degrees? Yep. Yep. That's Melbourne. It's all or nothing or everything at once. <laughs> I guess it's kind of... that's okay. It's kind of like your football down there. It's, it's either all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We like to keep a theme in Melbourne. <laughs> so you and I have formed quite a strong friendship over the past year. And from memory, you first reached out to my wonderful wife, Inger, um, and you interviewed her for your Be Present coaching website. 
And then you and I connected over our mutual appreciation for the wonderful Benet Brown and all the beautiful work that she does. And you ended up interviewing me for your site as well. And you sold it to me as that I would be the first male that you would interview. But then your dad nabbed me at the uh, 12th hour. Uh, I was hoping that you wouldn't bring this up. <laughs> yes, I did. I did, unfortunately, do a bit of a switcheroo on you. <laughs> but it's okay. It is family. So I, I forgive you there. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Thank you. Now, I'm going to borrow my first question today off a good friend of mine, Jeff Sanquest, and it's something that he asks all of his guests first up on his great podcast, Intentionally Wandering, and it is to Uh tell me some of the key dots along your journey. Like, what are some of those key moments that have led you to where you are today? Um, I think mine sort of starts like from a really bad experience. Um, so I think, yeah, it kind of all kick started from when my anxiety got really bad. Um, I, I've kind of always had anxiety, um, but I'd never, I'd never been diagnosed before this point, partly because, um, I'd gone to see psychs, but I'd never really opened up. So I kind of like kept things and I got told that I didn't. And at the time I wasn't really ready to face it either. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't have anxiety. Let's just go with that, even though I knew deep down that I did, but I just tried to pretend like it wasn't happening. Um, and there was, yeah, a few factors that led to my anxiety sort of getting the worst that it had ever been. And I, I always refer to my breakdown day, um, which, yeah, wasn't really a fun day. But it was that bad that I knew that I – this time I really had to do something about it and that my anxiety was um, sort of slowly getting worse and worse and creeping into areas of my life that it never had before. So I signed up, um, like, or sort of connected in with a new psych um, that was recommended by a friend. So she, um, she's a psych as well, so she thought that I would really connect well with who I'm seeing, which I still see her now. So that was almost three over three years ago now, I think. Um I signed up for a meditation course because I knew that I needed to do something else to sort of quieten my mind as well. Um, And after starting that process and kind of just getting to a point that my anxiety wasn't a daily um, occurrence, I knew that I wasn't happy um, kind of just working full-time in the family business. Um, And I always had this thing that uni was my unfinished business. Um, So I was studying... HR, well, Bachelor of Business HR, um, and I knew that I didn't necessarily want to go into corporate HR environment, but, yeah, it just was kind of hanging over my head as this thing that I didn't finish and that I had nothing to show for it. Um, and I toyed around with a few different things about what to do, and I saw a, a career psych as well to help me figure it all out. Like, as you can see, I don't have a problem talking to people and asking for help. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, we sort of realized that what I was doing was actually really aligned with my personality and my values and all that kind of stuff anyway. So I went back to uni and when I was at uni, um, one of my lecturers was talking about coaching and how that fits in with HR and it kind of seemed like everything had fallen into place. Like I've always been a big psych nerd and I love I love that field, but I wasn't prepared to go back to uni for seven years either because I kind of wanted to start my career in this new area of work. Um, so coaching kind of fit 
fit in with that perfectly and it tied in with HR as well. So I could have use it in a corporate setting if I really wanted to as well. Um, so while I was finishing my degree, I did a um, coaching certificate and completed that at the same time. And then I decided that, yeah, that I wanted to take the things from the course that I liked, to, like obviously um, use my coaching certificate and yeah start my own business as well as continuing to work at the family business so I did that um in April last year and that's kind of roughly how I've gotten to where I am yeah and it's it's interesting you know you bring up anxiety and how it played I guess you know quite a pivotal role in your journey and and perhaps even that realization point that something needed to change and it's quite it's quite a similar case with with Inger you know her anxiety levels were at a particular point where you know she was seeing a psychologist for a few things and it was around about like the same time it's interesting how it all kind of went into place but it was around about the same time that I was bringing you know elements of minimalism and pairing back to the family and you know through that process we completely changed our mindset on possessions and values and what you know I guess truly was important in, in our lives but anxiety seems to come up a lot when I talk to people you know they seem you know buried and paralyzed by life in a sense you know why do you think that is I don't know. I do. I do know a hundred percent. The more that I openly talk about it, the more I get people telling me, "Me too." Um, so I think that that in itself is really important. I think for so like so. If I look at um, one side of my family, I won't name it in case they get funny about it. it but they'll know who which people I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> the older generation used to say that a lot of my relatives um, suffered from nerves. Mm. which was anxiety Mm. (laughs) or a lot of them have depression. Like it's, there's so much in um, my family history as well, but because it wasn't a thing that you really spoke about or that you necessarily saw help for, it wasn't looked at as a proper thing. And I think with anxiety, I think that's what um, gets a bit confused with it is that everybody gets anxious and I have times where I get anxious, but it's actually not related to my anxiety and or that you get fearful about something, but it's it's not anxiety driven. And I think that's why I've tried to, um, so in like my writing and stuff, I've yeah really tried to be quite open about it and share things about it so that more and more people are okay talking about it and starting to understand the difference between it all, even if it's if it's not that you yourself are suffering from it, but yeah, most times you have somebody in your life that is experiencing it, and a lot of people don't know how to handle it and what to say and what to do. I I, I will put my hand up there, you know, speaking from experience, um, living with someone that was going through it, and I I'm obviously someone that hey, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but I you know I still get fearful and and scared about certain things, but I don't really suffer from anxiety. I don't really worry too much about things. Um, and I really didn't know what to say to Inga when she was going through those things. I was like, well, you know, I was kind of meditating at the time and all this kind of stuff. And it was stuff that I was saying to Inga, Hey, why don't you try this? And, and she didn't, she wasn't really into that mindful mindfulness side of things. Uh But then when her psychiatrist spoke about that and, you know, creating some space, mentally and things like that and as I said it kind of ties in with the whole minimalism side of things that's when she kind of really um 
you know, I guess started to change and understood a few things, but I really didn't know how I, even now I don't really know how to talk about it. Yep. And I, yeah. And I've had to, um, so the, when my anxiety got really bad, um, I'd already moved I'd out already of the room with my fiance and like, I, I, I always remember and I always go back to it. And sometimes I still have to remind him now is that sometimes, so I experienced, majority other than my breakdown day, if I'm having an actual panic attack, I generally experience them at night. So if I wake up in the middle of the night, I generally am waking him up in the middle of the night. So obviously his response is never going to, it's never going to be that great or supportive if <laughs> just being woken up from sleep or, you know, when I can't sleep and I make him sleep with music as like a slight, actually, usually if I build up to it like that, he's not too bad. But if I wake him up in the middle of the night, I mean, yeah, I, I don't ever hold it against him. But I remember a friend saying like, you just need to tell him not to try and fix it and that there's there's not really anything that people can say or do like even though when you're you are anxious and you you are quite vulnerable and you ask even if you let people know when it's happening like I'm at a point where I have an understanding enough to know that they actually that they can't fix it and the most that he can do is just like let me talk or just give me a hug because that can sometimes be really grounding because it gives me something physical to focus on. It just distracts me that little bit. It doesn't completely calm me down and it's not like all of a sudden my anxiety has completely disappeared. Um, but it's just yeah, it's just something that can just distract me for that little bit and because, it, because sometimes you just need those little things because it's actually um, the more you learn about anxiety, when you're actually really anxious – or, you know, you're having a panic attack, it's actually the physical things that you need to be doing that calm your anxiety down. Most people automatically go to it being a mind thing. But when you're in that heightened state, that part of your brain's not actually functioning. It's being overridden. Um, So it's, yeah, doing those physical things. So, yeah, having a hug, getting a glass of water, moving around, all those little things help. And, yeah, it's a lot of people don't realise that, so... I think not understanding those practical things can really help when you've got someone that's suffering from anxiety around you. Yeah, and you 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 know you speak about those little things that you could do when you know maybe you're actually going through a panic attack. But you know what really helped you get through it? Like you did talk about going to see someone, and you still see someone now three years later. But what was that point? You know that moment that you felt, yeah, I've beaten this, or I've I've got it under control, and I'm going to start using it as a strength now. Yeah, I definitely would never say that I've beaten it. Not not yet, and I don't think so. So where I've gotten to, I've gotten to a point where I understand that anxiety is a part of my personality. Like when I look at my good traits and my bad traits, they have the same energy is kind of the way that I look at it. Um, so if I take away one, I'm going to lose the good side of it as well. Um, and I, like a lot of, I get a lot of that, um, from Brene's work about, you know, you can't have the block out the dark without the light, like all that side of things, which so many people try and do, they try and numb, numb things. And then you, you numb the good as well. Um, and I think I just got to a point where it's funny because, um, anxiety comes from a need to control everything. So it was that desire to control everything that, pushed me to get help in a way, like in a funny way, um, because 
what I was trying, so what I was saying before about doing the mind stuff, like when I was having a panic attack, I would just try and tell myself, just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. And that like, yeah, literally your brain doesn't work like that. So I would continue to think about it. And then the next day, especially because I have mine at night, I would generally have lack of sleep. So I'm exhausted because it's like I've run a marathon in the middle of the night plus the lack of sleep. So you're already fragile anyway when you're sleep deprived. Um, and then I would beat myself up and think that I was pathetic because I couldn't stop it from happening. Um, so going to seek help and understanding it and understanding how my body works and how my anxiety works and what my triggers are and what I need to look out for, that sort of put me back in control again. Um, and, yeah, it's just led to so many good things. Like I've, um, yeah, I became aware of mindfulness and um this idea of gratitude and just coming across different studies and and I find it also fascinating and I always kind of have but it it sort of drives me to keep learning and to keep exploring and yeah I don't know if I've kind of answered your question there no, but. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from um but on, on to another I guess big dot along your journey and um you did the unthinkable some might say, but it's something that I really admire you for. You called off your wedding four yes, months did. four months into your engagement to a man. Not that you no, had, it was four not, months to the day of the wedding. Four months to the day of the wedding. Okay, got you. I understand. Yeah. And it it wasn't to a man that you kind of only knew for a couple of years. You and Ryan had been together for eleven or so years, mm-hmm. but but a year. You know, it's been a little bit over a year now since that breakup day, that anniversary of the breakup day. And yep. you and Ryan are still engaged, which I think is is a wonderful thing. But that was like a huge decision and one that I know that both of you didn't take lightly. But if you can, like take me back to that moment when you realized the path you were heading on wasn't really the one for you. Like what was it that, that kind of clicked for you? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I think we just there were just different factors during. So when, when Ryan proposed, um, I had, now I'm trying to think of the timeline myself, but I was definitely back at uni anyway. And when I'd gone back to uni, I was like, I'm not going to be a mature age student working, you know, 30 hours living out of home and making my life really hard to be half-assed about this. Like this time I'm going to be the nerdy student and I'm going to try really hard and submit everything on top, you know, like actually care about being there. Mm. So when he proposed, I was like, I'm not going to put uni on hold to plan a wedding. Like that's ridiculous. It'll wait. It's just a party. It's an amazing party and it means something to us, but it's just a party at the end of the day. And then I slowly started just, you know, then you get a bit excited and you start slowly planning out little bits and pieces and stuff while I was studying. Um, And there was just a few things with – just other people just clashing about wedding stuff and then we would end up kind of clashing because he would hear me clashing with people and then he's just like oh I'm done listening to it all (laughs) like (laughs) I've only got so much tolerance for it so then and then I would get frustrated with him as well and just think like I'm only in this predicament because of you (laughs) um and yeah and we just we just weren't really enjoying it we also um weren't liking where we were living and we started talking about the fact that maybe we wanted to sell our house and that didn't trying to figure it all out um was 
trying to do it all at the one time just seemed like a bit too much as well. And then we were also going to go overseas um, for our honeymoon. We're going to America. Um, and that had its own kind of stuff time around it. Not so much for me, but Ryan had never traveled before and he's not very good with change and doing it like in different things. So he was struggling a little bit with just like a big trip. So it was kind of a lot happening. And I don't know, we just kind of got to a point that we were like, if we're not enjoying this and there's, yeah, just different bits that we don't like about our life at the moment, like why, why do it? And it, it, Oh, one of the other things which I should have mentioned that I kind of really struggled with the whole time from when we got engaged was how people spoke to me as a woman. Um, I'm a very out and proud feminist. Um, and we'd been living together yeah, for a couple of years. We'd been together for 11 years. And I know that weddings are a happy thing. Well, I was just at a family friend's wedding on the weekend and it was a great weekend and I was so excited to see them get married. But I, it never sat well with me that people spoke to me like and it was achievement for a guy to want to marry me and they spoke to Ryan like poor him. He's now stuck and tied to me for the rest of his life. Mm. And I kind of got that a lot and that just always didn't really sit well with me. And there was a few other things with like I didn't want to change my surname when I got married, our money is already – from the minute we live together, we've always kept our money together and we've never had that kind of as a separate thing. Um, but yeah, we had been living together. We don't want children. So I think for us it's – the marriage was this sort of the cherry on top, but it wasn't the whole cake for us. And for a lot of people it symbolizes a lot more for them because a lot more changes in their lives and it was mm. never going to do that for us for now, you know for the way we are. Um, but, it, yeah, it was really scary when we decided to do it because it made us go, oh, if we're already saying no to getting married, does this mean we might break up because we're Louise, un – I can't think of the word now. Instead of, like, unifying, we're, like, you know, separating a little bit. And then when we spoke about the house um, – that was like another thing as well. Like that really confused people too because then we did decide to sell our house and we actually sold – our house settled. So we called off the wedding four months before the wedding to the day. Our house settled exactly one month um, before we were to go away on our honeymoon. And then we went – and it was like, yeah, so we kept our honeymoon and then went away on that. So, yeah, we just confused a lot of people around us because we weren't getting married. We were selling our house. Mm. Everyone just thought we were breaking up. I know, and and you didn't, which I think is great. And like as you said, you were kind of going through that that a bit of a tough period and questioning a lot of things in life. But you you stayed together. But I'd really love to read something from an article that you wrote that really jumped out to me. And it goes: So after months of feeling overwhelmed, stressed, and burdened by the thought of a wedding, exactly four months to the day we cancelled it. We then put our house on the market, moved in with my family, went on our honeymoon and then started renting in our dream location. It basically felt like piece by piece, we undid each of the elements of the fairy tale and it, uh, and it has felt amazing. And I guess like that fairy tale, that chosen path, that map that is laid out in front of us, you know, the way things that are meant to be. And I guess going back to the whole anxiety thing, is that where it all stems from? Like this feeling that we need to be doing a particular thing in a particular way? Um, no, not so much for me. Um, like my my anxiety, my triggers are 
not related to social settings at all or what I am meant to kind of be doing at all. Like it's um, my triggers are just very unique and somewhat silly. Um, (laughs) So for me, it's not really about that. But yeah, I think, and that's what I sort of realized. Um, I don't know if I put it in that article and now I've gone completely blank on what the song's called, but you know, the movie, um, I don't know if you grew up really watching it like I did, um, the first wives club. (laughs) No, I did not grow up watching that like you, Kylie. (laughs) Not Not that I'm prepared to admit on a podcast anyway. Yeah. Well, I have always loved that. See, that's what I mean. Like, I've been a feminist for a long time. And if anybody's watched that movie, and see, like, I seriously can't think of what the song's called. It'll come to me as soon as we finish this. Um, But there's this, like, great scene where all the women, they've, like, put this organization together that was to get back at all their shitty husbands, boyfriends, ex-husbands. And they're having this, like, gala event, and they're singing this really empowering song at the end. And... Of course, like with all music now, it always gets redone. And just as we had cancelled the wedding, that song, the renewed version of it, was on the radio. But it's about being free. And I was, I didn't realise yet yeah, how claustrophobic I felt throughout the whole thing. That then I was like, I am, it just felt so freeing. And everybody was just so supportive. And yeah, people kept saying how brave I was. And it didn't. It didn't feel like that. Like it didn't feel like we were doing – it felt scary because it was different, but it didn't feel like it was that brave to do something that felt right for us. Hmm. And I think I got surprised at realising that I've always been so independent and been someone who kind of tries to do, you know, do my own thing, but I got swept up in the whole what you should be doing in the process of the wedding. And is is that something that you think that – I guess you've learned from and you take from the experience that you now often, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like do things that feel right for you? Yeah, I think like one of the reasons why my coaching, um, I work from a place of values is because, so when I started, when I was saying when I went to the career psych, she got me to do this. Um, it's like quite similar to what I do if I'm working with a new client, this values elicitation exercise. And it was really important. And I and that's what I realized when I canceled the wedding, that I stopped kind of listening to myself because, yeah, I was just caught up in the, well, the next thing is we are meant to be getting married. And at the moment, where neither of us are interested in getting married, but we still call each other fiance and yeah, fiance. <laughs> I don't know why I won't say that. Um, and some people find that strange, but that actually still really means something to me. Like the fact that Ryan proposed and wanted to put up, he had his own ideas about marriage and things like that. And so it meant a lot that he was making this statement about us as a couple and where we wanted to go together. And that still really means something to me. And I think that's what I realized. It's okay to pick and choose the bits that suit you in your life. And yeah, that's what I really wanted. And it sort of made me even more set on why understanding your values is so important because I think I can, yeah, I can be a really independent person and I didn't listen to myself. And I think, yeah, other people that sort of go along with things a little bit easier Imagine all the things that they're doing that don't align with their values at all and they're kind of just doing it because that's what they should be doing. Yeah, and well, I guess on that point, like why, you know, values are the cornerstone of what you 
you know, you coach and what you write about and what you speak about, like why are values so important to you? I think for me, it's about like the, the more I've gotten in tune with my values, it helps me not function, but it helps me understand the world around me. Like now when I get really angry, like sometimes, you know, people tell me, don't worry about that. Don't, don't get so angry. But now I know one, I just don't really talk to these people as much. When I'm angry, I go to the people that are going to be supportive and not tell me just not to be angry. But I know that the reason why I'm angry is because it's going against my values. So there's nothing wrong with that. And if the same kind of situations happen, I'm going to keep getting angry because the minute I'm not angry, it means that it's not actually important to me. And it's what you do with that anger that's important. And if I'm working with people and they're talking about goals and obviously it's important to get clear on what you want to do and work out how you're going to do it and not make things too big and too grand, that they're unachievable, but I feel like if you don't know what it is that you value about that particular thing, because obviously we can have slightly different values depending on different areas of our lives, and that's completely fine too. Or as we shift in our lives, things change. Like it's, it doesn't always have to be set in concrete. Um, but if you don't have that and you don't know what it is that you're doing, when things get really hard, that's when it's really easy to just give up or, you know, say that it wasn't for me. Whereas if you know your values and things get really hard, yeah, you still might want to go hide in your bed all day, but you know that there's a real reason why you're doing it. So you'll push through and you'll keep going. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, when you talk about getting angry and kind of when you stop getting angry, you're, I forget exactly what you said, but you're, you're not kind of worried about that situation anymore. I find with me, I find myself getting, you know, frustrated or or angry when reality didn't turn out the way that I expected it to be. And that, mm-hmm. and that can be the way someone else um, behaved to a comment or is acting or whatever it is. I'm not talking about a life journey here. It's, um, you know, I, I usually, the things I get angry about are <laughs> usually quite little, but it's this, yeah. it's this warpness of reality. And, and that's something that I've tried to be quite mindful about of going, well, hold on you're starting to feel angry right now. Why is that? Yeah. And anger is just and like, and I feel like it, it is one of those emotions that um, gets mis, misjudged or yeah, people don't like, don't look at it properly. Anger is just a red flag. Like anger is, it is just a warning sign. It's like, um, yeah, like if I take it sort of back to my anxiety, it's like, it doesn't matter like, so everybody, if you have anxiety, everybody needs to work out what triggers them and what's going to set them off so that they can understand it. But at the end of the day, everybody's anxiety at the heart of it is because they're not in control of a a particular situation and something is making them feel that sense of being at a loss and not being able to control what it is that's happening for them. And yeah, it's just, it's really important, I think, to understand that about yourself and understand where you want to take things and go. Yeah. And I guess on that point, like how did defining your goals and like allowing them to be your guiding principles, you know, bring you back and give you that clarity and that direction of where you wanted to be heading? I think for, uh, I've sort of had um, goals in mind of like, I've sort of had the bigger goals, but then I know that I'm you know, I'm not ready to kind of put myself out there. And I think, yeah, I think it is for me just knowing what 
what it is that I value. And then from that, things have just kind of slowly built as I've been ready to do them. And I think that's what I've sort of learnt from the online experience. Like I started my business officially in April last year, but I don't really feel like it actually started. If I could pick a start date, it would be February this year because that's when I feel like things all started to fall into place and I got my like my messaging kind of just all came together really succinctly and perfectly and I started planning out my first event and I felt like I could start talking about what I was doing without completely blushing. Um, and that I think I just got there from continuing to give things a go but just always sort of knowing what my values were and then as I felt that bit more comfortable then sort of building on them and bringing things out into the world that I was okay with. And I guess if someone, you know, is feeling like, their life isn't aligning with their values or like, I think sometimes even just struggling to define what their values are. Like, what do you think, you know, they could do to maybe help uncover that? I think sometimes it's definitely good to, it doesn't have to always be these big and bold things all the time. Like I think a lot of you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that if you're not happy, if you hate your job, just quit your job. I think it's about, under, like slowly just understanding who you are in small ways. Like I know I would love to be doing my business more, but I'm not the type of person that could have just quit my other jobs and just gone, this is all I'm going to focus on. Like I actually would have gone insane <laughs> and that's completely fine because that's who I am and I'm okay with that. And I think it's a little bit about drowning out the noise and just going back to working out what it is that you enjoy and it can just be as simple as that just even writing down things that you enjoy because then things kind of flow on from that because you can use those um, or whether it's skills that you feel like you've got that you feel like bring you a sense of enjoyment as well not just things that you can do but you actually hate you know like I can iron clothes but I hate ironing clothes so I would never put that down as like a good thing um and if you write those things down and start to become aware of them and start to understand who you are, then you can slowly build and introduce things bit by bit in your life in different areas. And it all kind of just slowly comes together. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about, you know, the things that you enjoy because, you know, the last question that I do ask everyone on the podcast is to describe your perfect day. And that, that really comes down and I'm always intrigued about what people say because, the reason that I'm asking it um, is really to, to, to kind of figure out how people's perfect day would be, but then to kind of go, okay, are you living that? And for me, like I really love you being in nature, whether that's walking through the woods or at the beach. I love getting up early. I love having breakfast with the family. I love working on my own things and creating things and helping people to grow in their own lives. I love to be able to have, you know, dinner with my family. Um, and then, you know, if we're talking about like a weekend or whatever, you know, catching up with some friends. And if that's my perfect day, like those things aren't out of the ordinary. You know what I mean? So if I can put as many of those things in each of my days, then I'm having a perfect day. And if you have lots of perfect days, then you kind of end up having a perfect life. Exactly. And I, I think I think that's what um, I really realized from when I first started writing down things I was grateful for. And I remember like my psych had told me to start doing it. And I remember when she explained it to me, she said, you 
you need to notice the littlest things as possible because that's where you're going to um, sort of see the most gains from the exercise. And I'm a big, like, give me homework and I will do it. Like <laughs> she's always kind of joked that if she had all patients like me, a job would be easy because I like walk in and I'm like, okay, what can we do today? <laughs> like where are we at? So I was always like gung-ho to give things a try. But <clears throat> by doing that, I started I noticing – and, like, now I don't necessarily write it down, but I notice little things in my day that I'm grateful for. And I I never used to think like that, and it actually has changed my thought patterns. And I think that's what it's about. It's just about doing little things in your day that make make you happy and make you smile and know that you have things that make you feel good. That's, like you said, how we can all be living a good life. It doesn't have to always be these huge – changes and shifts and the most glamorous amazing things because they're just it's unrealistic to kind of keep up with that and we all have days where you know you've got to do mundane stuff as well and that's that's completely okay too a hundred percent i think it's the the mundane things make the uh the special things seem even more special but uh, I, I guess on that note you know with uh, the final question that i do ask everybody um describe your perfect day for me kylie so I think I would definitely be somewhere slightly sunnier, which is unfortunate that I live in Melbourne. <laughs> um, but I would, yeah, I'm an early riser too. So I'd wake up early, write when I'm on my own, go down to the beach, have a really good lunch out somewhere. I love brunching or, yeah, brunch. Um, being able to walk along the water, catching up with friends later for some dinner and, yeah, just being around loved ones. And that's probably more a weekend day. And if it was a working day, I would love to be able to meet with a coaching client one-on-one and I'd love to be going to an event that I'm hosting later that night because I, yeah, I get a massive kick out of doing the events. And your events, like yeah, you, you bring that up, you're, um, we, we did chat about this and you know, you, you've done a, I think three this year, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. But talking about pushing through some fears and kind of going into those uncomfortable areas, it was, you know, it wasn't, I'm not, I was going to say it wasn't smooth sailing. I I don't mean that they didn't work out. They worked out perfectly, but that was like a really big thing for you, uh, like a step forward in your career. Mm, Yeah, definitely. It's a really, I don't think there, in terms of work, I don't think there's much more vulnerable that you can get than putting on an event because you're asking, like, you're waiting for people to jump on board this idea that you have. And, like, you've set a date, you've picked a venue, people know about it. So if there's not enough people coming, you know, if no one shows up, then you have to cancel it or people are going to know about it. So it's a really vulnerable experience. And it's this last one was the one that I probably worried least about with the ticket sales because I just was like – the theme of the last one was actually it was a sit down breakfast and it was about celebrating your year that was um, and looking forward to next year and where you want your values to take you. And I was so excited to just chat to whoever showed up and share my own answers and celebrate the fact that I'd run three events. I was like, I don't really care if it's just me, my sister and one other person. (laughs) I'll be happy. I get to have a lovely breakfast and I get to celebrate. And in the end, I ended up with the amount of people, like the exact goal of what I wanted. And I don't know if it's because I kind of took the pressure off. Sometimes the universe rewards you that way, I think too. But um, yeah, and they've all been great and they've not been the flashest event I've learnt from each of them on things that I'd changed slightly. I've 
made them like I've kind of created them with when I, I go to heaps of events and I love going to events, but I kind of found little parts that they were all missing or they weren't something that the kind of environment that I wanted people to be at. So I've created the environment that I want. And yeah, in their own way, they've all been completely successful. But I know that if I tried to do them earlier than what I did as well, I wasn't completely ready. But I could have had a million reasons why I didn't do them this year either. And I'm really happy that I stuck with it because I've always known that I wanted to do it. And, yeah, it goes back to my values as well. But they've been amazing. And, yeah, I'm really – I am quite proud of myself. Yeah. Well, so am I. So congratulations. (laughs) But uh, we we do need to start wrapping up here, Kylie. And I just want to say, like, thank you for sharing your story and for for being quite honest and talking about – uh, a topic that I know that a lot of people don't necessarily like to talk about or just really skim on the surface. And I really feel that you kind of dove deep on that. And I really think that people are going to get a lot out of that. And uh, if there's one person that's going to maybe talk to someone because they're feeling that way, I think um, that's why you and I jumped on this call together. So I really do want to say thank you. Oh, that's okay. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. And if people do want to reach out to you and um, kind of maybe have a chat or, or have a look mm-hmm. at what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, so my website is bepresentcoaching.com.au. Um, you can find me on Instagram at bepresent double underscore or, yeah, I've got a Facebook page, which is kylie.bepresent. So, um, yeah, I'm there, everywhere. <laughs> well, I will make sure that all those links are in the show notes, like in every episode. And before we go, is there anything that you want to say? Is there anything that I've left out? No, that, I think that comes it. Just, yeah, thank you very much for having me, and I'm glad we got to have this chat. Uh, you're more than welcome, and thank you once again, Kylie. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.